Amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, Luke 10. I'm going to go there in the Word of God, Luke 10. Get some scriptures here. David Sanchez, if you can get our main text, Luke 10, 1 and 2. Colby, Matthew 14, 14. Uh, Brian DeBlois, Luke 10, 2. Uh, let's go. Caleb, can you get Luke 9, 59? Devin, Exodus 3, 7. Micah, Luke 10, 1. Uh, Kenny, Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, Tony, Matthew 10, 7. Uh, let's see. Brian, the other Brian. What did I just say? Matthew 10, 7. Okay, Brian, the other Brian. Luke 24, 49. Uh, and then Chris Lee, if you could get John 15, 16. Okay, so I want to I want to do a lesson just simply entitled "Within Reach." Um, I just got back yesterday, last night, from a uh, road trip with my brother, Pastor Anthony Cassio. Drove close to 800 miles every day um, until Thursday. We went from Prescott to Amarillo, Amarillo to St. Louis, St. Louis to Buffalo, Buffalo to Boston, but. One of the things that was interesting about this little road trip, Anthony said about six million times, I'm just so excited to get there, can't wait to get there. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, it's going to be great. <laughs> being, being in a box truck for that amount of time with anybody will make you want to jump out of the car. But um, no, but what was interesting is when we came into Boston, we both almost at the same time said, you're entering destiny. We both said that, but in the will and purposes of God for my brother's life, calling and destiny started long before his road trip to Boston. And you don't have to drive across, across the country to start doing the will of God. And I want to encourage you guys this morning, the purpose and the call of God that he has for each of our lives is not a far off promise, something that we can never attain but destiny is within reach. And this really hit home for me on this trip, and uh, hopefully this can encourage some guys here this morning. Let's look at that thought within reach out of Luke 10, 1 and 2. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Okay, let's look at that thought within reach. I want to look firstly with you at the need. So in our text, Jesus focus, focuses in on something called the harvest. Now, some of you might know, some of you might not. Here, Jesus is not talking about agriculture or food. He's talking about people. We have to understand that the heartbeat of Jesus, he cares about the suffering of humanity. Read for me Matthew 14, 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sins. So I, I like this translation. It says he was moved with compassion. 
when Jesus sees the needs of people, he sees people that are broken, people that are addicted, people that are bound in sin, he's moved with compassion. And the only hope that people have is the message of the gospel that you've experienced. Social programs, self-help, it'll never be enough. We can, we can feed the whole world. We can house the whole world. We can give them lots of stuff, but that will never be enough. You see, the powerful thing that we see in our text is Jesus gives the disciples and us a reminder of what's important to him. If it's important to Jesus, it ought to be important to us this morning. You see, the currency of the kingdom of God is people. People are what is most valuable to Jesus. And just by saying that out loud, we can look at our lives and say, sometimes other things are more valuable. Sometimes what moves Jesus doesn't necessarily move me. So the sad reality or the problem that we have that Jesus points out in our text is the reality of too few labors or laborers. Luke 10, 2. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So here Jesus is saying, it's not that the harvest is too difficult. It's not that the harvest has too much witchcraft or it's too rich or too poor. The problem with the harvest field is there's not enough laborers to bring in the harvest. That's what Jesus is showing us here. So the problem is, number one, needs of humanity can oftentimes go unnoticed. Something will have your attention in life. Something probably has your attention this morning. You woke up this morning thinking about that problem or that issue, that thing that you're going through. And this is the reality of life. Maybe it's not necessarily evil. Oftentimes when the harvest goes unnoticed, it's not because men are saying, I would rather do drugs or deal drugs or cheat on my taxes than be focused on the harvest or focused on people. It's just things get in the way. Life gets in the way. Things that we're focused on that have absolutely nothing to do with that harvest field Jesus is talking about. It could be making money. We know my brother's testimony. He was, he was more focused on investments and making money than obeying and doing the will of God. Maybe it's a focus on being successful. Maybe it's a focus on education. Maybe it's entertainment. Maybe it's just the business of life or even the busyness of life. The point is all of these things produce the same result. The harvest goes unnoticed. Secondly, needs of humanity can be ignored. Here's the, the crux of the issue this morning, is that an unnoticed harvest will become an ignored harvest. I'm, I'm busy, I'm doing this, but then at the same time, I know it's always going to be there, but I'm choosing to do something else. Luke 9.59 So could it be possible this morning that we don't see the harvest the same way Jesus does? 
people dying and spending eternity in hell. How is it as we as men of God can ignore that? And this is a reality, oftentimes it goes un, uh, unnoticed and ignored. So the result is disciples can feel that calling and usefulness is out of reach. Number one, we can assume because some men are doing God's will, then that's enough. This is the, the beautiful thing about our fellowship. We are connected. We are connected to Anthony and Natalie that are going to Boston. They're in Boston now. They're getting a lay of the land. They're figuring things out, talking to people. Anthony was witnessing to folks at a restaurant that, that we were having dinner at just, I think it's two days ago now. But what an incredible thing that by extension, Anthony and Natalie, they're pioneering and we're praying and we're, we're seeing, yes, we, we invest in that fruit. We invest to, to keep them out there and to help them. But is that enough for you? Notice in our text, Jesus does not say that there are no laborers in the field. He doesn't say, guys, we got a major problem. Nobody's bringing in the harvest. Notice what he says. Laborers are few. When you compare the need of the harvest, the amount of laborers to bring in that harvest, Jesus says it's not enough. It's not enough to be excited for a couple going into a different place when we've felt the call of God on our lives and we say, great, go out there, be fruitful, and that's cool. That's enough. When you see so much of the world and so much of our nation completely untouched by the gospel, the question is, what will you do about it? What will I do about it? Secondly, we feel unable to make any kind of difference. I had, I had this feeling when I, when I preached in Calcutta for Pastor Chris Went. When you're walking through the streets and driving through neighborhoods of a city of 14 and a half million people, and you realize the, major, the vast majority of the people in this city alone, seventh largest city in India, they have never heard the name of Jesus, not one time in their lives. And many of them will die and go into eternity without ever hearing about Jesus one time. That can feel daunting. That can feel like, man, what difference could I really make? You can feel inadequate. You can feel like I'm, I'm just not far enough along as a disciple. Maybe a few more years. Maybe once I've, I've learned a little bit more about how to write a sermon or, or work with people. I'm not developed enough as a man of God. There's things I still don't know. I'm never going to be used. I'm never going to be chosen. This is, these are all the feelings that disciples can have. And thirdly, we can fail to do what is necessary today. <clears throat> this is slightly entertaining to me sometimes. And disciples think that mag- they'll magically be fruitful and effective after they're sent out. As if there's something, you know, magical about the U-Haul truck. And once you pull up into that city and you get out and it's all of a sudden people are flocking to you saying, what must I do to be saved? We all pray for that. Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be helpful. But the reality is when you get out, you simply become a more expensive version of what you are today. And this is the, this is the deception that men can have is that, 
well, once I'm out or once I get that title or once I get that opportunity, then I'm going to start doing what's necessary. Then I'm going to start being fruitful. I'll be fruitful in that place that I'm going to. But what about here? What about today? When you look at your life, you say, no, the, the harvest isn't just in a far off land. The harvest is here. The harvest is in my neighborhood. It's around the people that I care about. It's in my church. So let's look then at the call this morning. First of all, we have to recognize the call, understanding this biblically. God uses men to fulfill his will on planet Earth. Exodus 3, 7. So here, God is aware of the suffering of his people. And then the next verse, he tells Moses, that's why I'm sending you there to deliver my people. So think about this, how incredible. In the purposes and the plans of God, you see broken lives, people that are lost and bound for hell. And God says, the answer is you. Oh God, you could do a much better job at saving all these people than me. You could do a much better, but what God is showing us here that the laborers into the harvest field is men, the men sitting here this morning, Luke 10, 1. So here, Jesus chooses 70 men and sends them out. He says, go before me. Go into the different places that I'm going to visit. Prepare those places. Get it ready. Jesus is coming, right? Imagine, it would have been the same exact feeling. Two guys, they're going into a city they'd never been before. They're going to read, they're going to evangelize, they're going to tell people, Jesus is about to come here. You need to get ready. He uses men to fulfill his will. And it's encouraging to me. God is not looking for complete specimens. Men who have it all put together. It's been said God is not looking for the best and the brightest, but simply those willing to obey. When you look at your own life, you look at your own lack, you look at things that you're still working on, things that you're still trying to figure out, that's okay. That's all right. What God is waiting for is men saying, I see the harvest. Jesus, what can I do about it? Secondly, each man here was created for a purpose and a destiny. It's not a, you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You were designed by God and God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. How incredible. God's plans in advance are for a future and a hope for our lives. Nothing else compares to the incredible honor and privilege of being called by God. Being used by God. Doing what God has made you for. Thirdly, God will speak to you about his will for your life. 
See, Jesus' nature is to make his will and purposes clear for his people. It's not some great mystery. God's like, nope, not going to tell you, not going to tell you. You need to just wander around stumbling through life in the dark. And then once I feel sorry for you enough, then I'll tell you. God is very good at making his will for our life clear. So hearing the call, not just recognizing the call, but hearing the call is the second important thing we need to look at. Number one, hearing the call requires our hearts to align with what Jesus cares about. Jesus says in our text, pray the Lord sends laborers into the harvest. If we are going to hear the call of God, we must be focused on what Jesus is focused on. He sends these men out, the fields, they're ready for harvest, but there are not enough laborers. There are not enough men ready and willing to hear the call. So our expectation in hearing the call, Jesus' desire is to send men into the harvest. Men here this morning, what does God have for you? This can vary hearing the call. Some men have asked, well, how do I know if I'm called? How do I know if I'm not called? And it can vary in a few different ways, but some have called it like an impression, a strong feeling in the response to what God is doing. Could be a sermon that inspires. Could be a scripture that you read that you feel God speaking to you in that way. Let's look at a couple of biblical examples of how God speaks to his men. Moses saw a burning bush that wasn't consumed and God spoke to him out of a burning bush. That would make it clear, wouldn't it? You see something catch on fire and then it starts talking to you? Like, okay, okay, I could do that. But what if it's a little bit more subtle? Samuel heard a small voice. Thought it was Eli. Multiple times. Jonah was swallowed by a whale. So circumstances can oftentimes help us understand what the will of God is for life. Think about David. He responded to a need. He saw Goliath and said, the enemy is unacceptable. I can do something about this. Saul, later who became Paul, was knocked off his donkey and saw a bright light. The point is, God wants to speak to each of us and wants to make calling clear to each of us. So then we have responding to the call. Calling demands a response. To see what God has for you, you must respond to it. Knowing about the call of God, hearing the call of God for your life personally, unless it results in action, it's pointless. Number two, saying yes to Jesus is saying no to other things. This is where many men can struggle. You know what the call of God is. You've heard the call of God on your life. But responding to the call of God means you have to say no to other things that you're pursuing. I want my cake and I want to eat it too. It doesn't work like that. And it's easy to make excuses why it won't work for you. I'm too old. I'm too young. I have too many health issues. I have financial issues. I have insecurity. I have fear. I have pride. What about my wife? What if she's not on board? Thirdly, men here, 
you are the answer for those prayers of laborers. Jesus tells these men he's sending out, pray for more laborers. You see, if the need is too great to be ignored, the need is too great to be delayed, and the need is too great to be forgotten. Something I want you guys to ask yourselves, and I'll give you the notes and so you'll be able to see this, and I think it would be healthy. Look at it every once in a while. Remind yourself of it. Ask yourself the question, has Jesus called me? Has he called you personally? Remember, maybe it was a sermon at conference. Maybe it was an impression. Maybe it was you're reading your Bible. Maybe you got inspired. Inspired by somebody else's life, you thought, God, you can use my life. Has Jesus called me? Am I doing everything in my power to be sent out as soon as possible? And if the answer to that question is no, what's in the way? Why are you holding back? What has taken place of my calling? What's what's stood in the way? Another question I think would be important to ask, have I changed the terms of my calling? In other words, if Jesus said, I want you to preach the gospel, and we say, okay, but I can be helpful here in Prescott. I can witness here in Prescott. That's good. We want you to be helpful. We want you to witness, but ultimately, we want you to obey God. Have you changed the terms of that calling? And what is stopping me from going? So let's look finally then at the equipping. First of all, God is the one who sends. Jesus will send you into the harvest field locally first. Matthew 10, 7. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. So I love this. Jesus tells the disciples, when you go into a place, I want you to announce the kingdom of God is here. And how could these disciples say that? What do you mean the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God has arrived because I have arrived. This can happen locally. You have the privilege of being disciples in Prescott, Arizona. We're kind of numb to that. Yeah, I get it. We're in Prescott. It's so cool. You could be trained and discipled here. Pastor Jesse, Pastor Greg, the leader of our fellowship. Most of the time, Monday through Saturday is available here, sitting right where Brian's sitting. And you can ask him any question you can think of. That's incredible. At any given moment, you can call him, you can talk to him. You can be trained as a disciple here. You have opportunities in a brand new 180 building. Multi-million dollar facility for you. Think about how incredible that is. You have the ability to learn and to preach and grow with other disciples, to build other ministries and develop right sermons. 
What a privilege. Secondly, Jesus, his sending gives us confidence that he knows what he's doing. Chances are the 70 that Jesus sent out in our scripture, these guys had some flaws. And I know that because I know there's some people here with some flaws. There's some guys here with some hang-ups, some problems, some issues. And Jesus is aware of all of that. See, being launched into a new city, and my brother is experiencing this, and yeah, we got in late Thursday night into the U-Haul Center. We were, we were exhausted, hungry, tired, and I could see the weight start to kind of press in around my brother. And it's like, you know, we, we prayed and then we, we, we went and got cheeseburgers, so felt a little bit better after that. But think about this, how incredible pioneering is. Being launched into a new city, not knowing anyone, You're looking for a house. You have nowhere to live. You're looking for a church building. Looking for people that will listen to you and give you the time of day. You're going from Podunk Prescott to a big city. But it's God's idea, not ours. This is a work of God and not a work of man. It's Jesus who sends out. It's Jesus who knows what he's doing. I remember praying multiple times in Denver when my wife and I were pioneering. God, this is your idea, not mine. You were the one who chose to send us out. Also, the Lord of the harvest makes us effective. It's the power and conviction of the Holy Spirit that makes any of us effective. That makes anything that we do work. Luke 24, 49. Did I give that one out? Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Until you are filled with power from heaven. That's my translation. So this is an incredible promise that we have. That it's not just about our own smarts. It's not a formula. It's not try really hard and then maybe God will help you. Jesus sends us out. Jesus enables us to be effective. And this is the incredible promise. When we simply step out and obey God, God is the one who's able to make his will for our lives possible and effective. Finally, the harvest is within reach for each of you. What city or nation has God called you to reach? What people group is waiting for you. It's, if, it's within reach this morning. It can start today. You can respond to the call that you've been given by God. It can happen. And it can happen very quickly. Read for me John 15, 16. Your destiny is within reach this morning. That's what I wanted to encourage you with. That's all I have this morning. Why don't we bow our heads just for a moment? I want to pray over this group of men. There are men here that calling is a mystery for you. 
Maybe you, you haven't heard that voice. You don't know what God wants for your life. I'm going to pray that God would make it clear. And there are other men here this morning where it is absolutely clear. You know that God has called you to preach the gospel in a place. And it could be various reasons why that hasn't happened yet. It could be none of the reasons I listed. But the Holy Spirit is faithful. He is able to make you guys effective. He's able to make it clear. The group of men in this room this morning, we can shake the very foundations of hell. God wants us to do that. I'm going to pray. God, right now, you see every heart. God, you know every circumstance. God, the men in this place that are ready and willing to go. God, I'm asking that you would make it clear again. Men who have been fighting the call of God. Men who don't know yet what you want them to do. God, I need you to make it clear again. God, I need you to speak to men at this place Fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit. Enable them, God, to know your will and purposes for their lives. Release your favor and grace, God. I'm asking every stronghold, every work of hell, every uh, demonic oppression, God, be lifted from the minds and hearts of these men. Cause us to be fruitful as you have promised, God, you would make us fruitful. We commit ourselves right now to that harvest field. God, let us be laborers, ready to go, willing to be sent, that we would do whatever it takes, God, to be sent out, I pray. Release your power and your grace in Jesus' name. Give God praise just for a moment. Hallelujah. God, we give you all the glory. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. We thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank God. That's all I have this morning. If we have any questions or comments, we'll, we'll take, or just questions this morning, we'll take those. Any questions at all? Yep, Robert. Yeah, yeah. Anointing is just divine effectiveness. You know, that is, that, that's something we do. We pray on the stage. We uh, ordain them to public ministry. We ordain them to, to be preachers of the gospel. But anointing needs to happen now. Effectiveness for what God has called us to do needs to start happening now. That's something you, we can all pray for. Yeah, you have to pray, God, I'm not effective in this, this, this. So I need you to make me effective, right? God, I'm not effective with people. I need, I need anointing from heaven. I need the ability to be able to speak into people's lives and have them listen to me. God, I need to be effective in my finance. God, I need, I need your help in people skills, right? You look at your life and you look at how daunting of a task that preaching the gospel is. God is able to make us effective with that, but we have to ask for it. We have to pray, believe God. Yep, you got to pray for it. Anybody else? Questions on calling, destiny, ministry, pioneering, the weather? Yeah, yeah. You mentioned, uh, like, I guess in this case for Anthony, whenever he got there, like the weight, mm -hmm. when you get, when you face the reality of being out there. Yeah. So how, is, 
that something like how do you avoid that because it seems to me like you'll have a burden for a place that's the positive way yeah and on the other side it's just like doing something new you feel the pressure and all that yeah yeah, yeah. We, we talk about it in the terms of uh, culture shock. You've heard that phrase before. and um, that's, that's all just kind of part of it. You can't really, you can't really prepare yourself for what that's going to feel like if you've never lived. Anthony's lived in the same place his entire life, right? So, and, and you're not going from Prescott to Prescott. You're not going from small town to small town. You're going from like Prescott to big city, inner city. There's, I mean, it is, it is happening. There's, there's pressure, there's a tempo of the city. You know, our Airbnb was right off a of main road. You had police cars, lights, you know, all night long, just going down. And it, the, the, whole, the whole pressure of it, all of it kind of wrapping together, uh, that, that's what just caused a little bit of stress for him. Now, you know, there, there has to be a balance because in pioneering, yes, we want, you to, we want you to get on with business as quickly as possible, but sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get used to a new place. Like, he didn't even have a house yet. Like, we're staying in a tiny little Airbnb apartment. Like, nothing's going to feel normal. One thing I told him, I said, look, anything that feels weird to you in a big city is completely normal to everybody else you know, with the few exceptions of crazy people. But, you know, the speed, the tempo, the traffic, everything. He doesn't know directions. He doesn't know where he's located. It's like everything feels weird. So you pray, God, help me through that because it's, it's a season. It doesn't last forever. Like when we went to Denver, I remember riding in a car with Brandon Pepage and he's driving me around and uh, we drove around for like an hour and a half just all throughout this city, just driving around. Then he stops at a certain spot and he's like, okay, do you, do you know where we are right now? And I'm like, I have, I have no clue. Couldn't tell you. And he's like, your car is parked right there. <laughs> I'm like, my brain felt like spaghetti. And it was like, man, God, you're going to have to help me. But if God has called us, God has promised to equip us, then God is able to direct us. And he knows, God knows that we're going to feel overwhelmed. We're going to feel pressure. We're going to feel like, ah, I don't know if I can do this. God knows all of that. But what that should drive us towards is Jesus. Jesus, you got to help me here. you gotta, you got to calm my mind. I don't want to feel like this the entire time I'm here, right? And God will do that. God will help you. But yeah, it's, it's all part of it. It's all part of the territory. But it's the most exciting thing you'll ever do in life be able to pioneer in a brand new place. Other guys can, can attest to that. The, like, the, the way you view life, it's different, and it's hard to put into words. It's like you get into your city, you go to a gas station, you go into the store, buy groceries, you're looking at people, and you're like, they're going to be the next disciple. I'm going to plant them, right? Every person, the potential. Some people's like, yeah, I'm going to stay away from that guy. <laughs> at least you should, should, should do that sometimes. But um, that's, that's a different series, man. But no, it's what a privilege. And the fact, guys, you can do it from here. Prescott will launch you. You can go pioneer. We'll, we'll invest. We'll pay. Like, what an incredible privilege. Because it's not like this everywhere in the world. 
Other religious organizations, no. Four years of Bible school and maybe we'll think about it. It's just what we are is so profound and unique. The fact that six months from now, Anthony and Natalie are going to be reaching people and they're going to be building a church. They're going to be seeing lives changed. Any one of us, I know my brother. <laughs> if he's listening, Anthony, are you listening? <laughs> I know my brother. He has got major flaws, major issues. But he obeyed God. He said, yes. God is able to fill the gaps. God is able to direct. So the potential what, you know, we drove through cities, millions of people, not a single fellowship church. Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Buffalo, New York. Buffalo is the second largest city in all of New York. That's, that's incredible. Not a single church. Huge university up there. Niagara Falls. God can do it with your guys' lives. Other questions? Something else? <clears throat> Daniel. Do you feel like you're not connected to the harvest? There's some frustration in that or less willing. You gotta work with people. Be personally fruitful. That's where it starts. I mean, that's one part of it. But the reality is it has to start with obeying. It has to start with saying yes to God. That's, that's, that's really the starting point. It's God, I've been saying yes to a lot of other things, thinking that's going to fill the gap, but you have to just obey God. Whatever he's called you to do, do that. And that'll, that'll really help. And then the out for that is, Jesus, I want to love what you love, I want to be compassionate about the things that you're compassionate about, right? So that is, that's all part of it. And invariably, once your heart starts to line up with Jesus' heart, you'll view people different. You'll love people in a different way. And, and that's, but that's the thing. That's a prayer that God would love to answer for each of us. It's not like, oh, some few chosen men are going to be the ones that are fruitful. No, God, you can make me fruitful. Put me in contact today. Holy Spirit, direct me and guide me. I want to, I want to speak to the people that you've prepared in advance, the converts necessary for a work of God to be built and established. That's a prayer that God would love to answer. So that's why I said in the lesson, you could be the answer to those prayers. Jesus said, pray earnestly, the Lord would send more harvesters, more laborers into the harvest. You could be the answer to those prayers. So, good question. Tony? What was your confirmation on where to settle in our big city? Um, so, when we got to Denver, we were announced into Denver, but when you, when you look at these cities from Google Earth, it's like, oh yeah, that's manageable. And then you actually... Then you actually get there. It's like, this is, a, this is way bigger than I thought. And, and part of my confirmation was finding a house. And it was supernatural the way we found it. Um, I'll, I'll give you a little backstory. So we arrived. Two weeks later, we found a, a little townhouse in Aurora, Colorado. 
And as we're walking up, my wife wasn't able to go with me. Brandon went with me, uh, Pastor Brandon Pepage. He went with me. There was another couple behind us because the, the, the way the market was, you got to understand at this point in, in Denver history, Colorado history, the, the weed market had opened up in Colorado. And so everybody wanted to move there to get high, to open dispensaries. It was, it was madness. You know, by the time we left, there was a dispensary legitimately on like every empty corner, like they were everywhere. Anyway, so the demand for rental markets was huge. And it was like, they're coming in, offering cash, doing all these different things. And it was just like, no, no, no. My wife and I, we spent two weeks just driving up and down all of Denver, every city, putting in applications for every apartment building we could find. And every time it was closed door, closed door, closed door. So we got to this apartment in Aurora and the owner, what encouraged me was the owner was the one who was managing it. It wasn't a property management company. So we go in the door, there's another couple behind us and then Brandon shut the door and locked it so they couldn't get in. And, uh, and so we, we toured it for about three seconds and I said, yes, this is the place, this is perfect. You know, it's good neighborhood, quiet neighborhood, um, tons of apartments all around me. So I had a big grass uh, piece of ground in front of my house that I could show movies on. And I did that all the time. But it, it, was, it was that closed door that, that was confirmation for me. And I, I offered him uh, more than just first and last and, and first month's rent or whatever. I offered him more than that. And he was totally willing. He was a great landlord, open door, and only five minutes from eventually two months down the road when we found a church building. And so that, it, all, it all worked together. You know, that's, I think the key was I wasn't stuck on one place. It wasn't like it has to be, it has to be, you know, Inglewood. Uh, it has to be, uh, you know, Highlands Ranch. It has to be there. It has to be, I wasn't stuck on one place. It was like, God, you have to direct me. You have to guide me. So that, that helped. That's the thing. God has a voice. And he's not going to let his children starve to death and flounder. He, he has people prepared. And it was, it, was a, it was a powerful time. We saw lots of people saved while we were there. So it's very good. Good question. So yeah, confirmation comes by circumstances, by the word of God. He can speak to us personally, you know. But other than that, at the end of the day, God, I'm just going to obey you. I'm just going to do right. I'm just going to step out in faith. I don't know how it's going to work, but God, I'm, I'm going to do it. God will help you. Very good. Anyone else? Micah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Pastor Greg's number one prayer, and it's mine also, and no doubt Pastor Jesse's, but it's pray for wisdom. 
God, I need to know what to do, how to do, and when to do something. That's, that's wisdom. You know, and, and I, would, I would try and help you too. Like, discipleship isn't something that only happens between 8 o'clock and 8.30, Monday through Saturday, when we can ask Pastor Greg questions. You are a disciple. And you do the best you can with what you have. So you write down questions. You can ask Pastor Greg or any of the staff pastors after any service. You, you have relationship. You know, we're not the untouchables and don't want to talk to anybody. Like, and if, if you guys don't understand, like, that's how the religious world is. Pastors, you got to set up a meeting three, four weeks from now, and it'll be a junior staff, whatever. But you can talk to Pastor Greg this morning, right? And you can, you can develop with, with your men. I'll give you just an example. So I worked for a company called Superior Industries for almost seven years. And when I started to feel stirred about calling and wanting to develop as a man of God, we started at six in the morning. And so for me, it was kind of impractical to be here at five. Other guys, maybe that's what it takes. Get a key, find a key, be here at four, be here at five, start your morning off in prayer. For me, what I did is I, I got together with a few other guys. Uh, Devin was involved with this. Pastor Tim Miller in Española was involved. We met at five in the morning at uh, Starbucks at Safeway in Prescott Valley. And we worked on sermons and we talked about the things of God and we you know, we would meet at the music scene, other disciples, we'd meet there on off nights and just pray over the building. If we saw that 180 wasn't as fruitful or there was blockage or something, it's like, no, this is unacceptable. This is, this is what we're going to have. We would meet, we would pray. You know, I would personally, if I had free time, I would try and study and, and, and dig into some systematic theology. I want to know why we tithe. I want to know why we speak in tongues. I want to know why we do all these different things. That, it came from a hunger. Yeah, I couldn't be here necessarily at 7 in the morning, 7 to 8.30 in the morning. I, but it's like, no, there, there are things I can't do right now, but there are things that I absolutely can, can press in for. You know, and so I would look for those opportunities you know, build those relationships and, and press in that way. And then pray, God, this is not a forever thing. I need you to change these circumstances. I want to be at prayer in the morning. Surely God is able to help you with that and give you a job that's able to, you know, meet the needs of your life. God's able. So anybody else? questions you might have thinking thinking amen all right well it's it's within reach guys we can do it this morning appreciate your time